Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for meditation this morning is our second reading today, Romans 15, verses 4 to 13, as 1 to 13, as printed in your bulletin and already read. Dear waiting, watching people of God, there was a time in this country when just about everybody <coughs> went to church on Sunday morning. The only question was which church. No one asked why or what do you get out of that? Today, things are obviously different. I imagine many of you have noticed that on your street or cul-de-sac or, or in your apartment building, you are one of the few or perhaps even the only one who, who gets up and goes out to church. Everyone else either stays home or, or heads off to exercise, uh, to a sports event, or this time of year for some early shopping. And hardly anyone asks them why. Or what do you get out of that? All this means that people who don't go to church often don't understand why we do go. So imagine a conversation with a new acquaintance, Pat, who has just asked you to Sunday brunch, and you have declined saying, sorry, I'd really love to, but I go to church on Sunday morning. And Pat says, really? I guess I'd heard about people like you, but I'd never really met anybody who'd, who'd actually pass on the best brunch in town when I'm paying just to, to go to church. So do you do this to become a better person or something? I've never really seen the need myself. You answer, well, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly always working at being a better Christian and, and going to church regularly is, is part of that, but, but it's not like I expect the mere act of attendance to improve me or anything. So what then, Pat asks? Is it like some spiritual box checking for your religion that, that God is keeping track of your attendance and, and you want a good score? Or... Or do you get some kind of emotional high or spiritual support from the people there? Or, or maybe you make connections that help you in life? You can see Pat is struggling to understand, and now you're struggling to explain. You say, well, I don't go for points, and, and, and while I get a lot out of worship and, and from my relationships at church, it's not, it's not transactional. It's not so much about what I get out of it. It's about much bigger and, and more important things. It's, it's about Christians together and what God wants for all of us as a whole. At the same time, it's about me and what God wants to give me and how he cares for me and grows me alongside all the others. Can I just say... There's a purpose to the church, and I'm very happy to be a part of it. And Pat says, well, my brunch has a good purpose, too. It tastes fantastic, and it's just too bad you're going to miss it for all of that, that mystical Christian stuff. Let me know if you change your mind. 
Now, I would like to have given that little exercise in imagination a happy ending with Pat coming to church and loving it and everything like that, but the reality is that people really don't get what's going on with Christians and the community that they have and are. That's, that's not surprising coming from unbelievers. They don't have this. They have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They, they don't have the Spirit of Christ within them. But what is sad is that there are actually a lot of Christians who don't really get it either. There are some believers like that in Rome. And the Apostle Paul is addressing them in this, these verses of Romans 15. He wanted them to understand, and wants Christians today to understand, that the Lord has a reason for bringing us all together and blessing us all together as brothers and sisters in Christ. In this season of Advent, when, when Christians tend to think more about church and about God's gifts, it is good for us to be reminded that, that He has a pleasing purpose in all that He does for us and all that He calls us to. Now, we learn from Paul's letter that, that the Roman church had a problem with disunity. The biggest problem was probably the division between the Jewish and the Gentile believers, particularly with the Jews thinking of themselves as somehow better or more blessed than the Gentiles because of their descent from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or because they had the laws of Moses, or maybe even because of their, their ethnic connection to Christ. But there was an even bigger issue, or, or another issue, that Paul's addressing more here, or the first part here, and that was an issue with some who were stronger in their faith and they were looking down on those who were weaker, looking down on those who, who struggled with things that the more mature believers did not. And the strong were tempted to just forget about the weak and focus on meeting their own needs and desires. But Paul reminded them, and reminds us, that that is completely backwards. It is not the weak who have to catch up to the strong, but it is the strong who have an obligation to support the weak. God has a purpose in putting us all together at whatever stage or of maturity or development in our faith we might be. His purpose is not the pleasing of ourselves, but the pleasing of our neighbor. We serve our fellow believers by building them up, by helping, by guiding, by listening, by assisting, by working alongside them, whatever is needed. Because that is exactly what Jesus did with us. Advent is all about His coming, but He did not come only to those who had their lives together or who demonstrated the deepest faith. No, Jesus came to sinners. 
He came to the lost, to the corrupt, to the the broken, the despairing, the depressed, the hurting, the sick, the weak. He came, in other words, to people like us. And his purpose was not to please himself, though as the Son of God, he would have been perfectly justified in doing so. No, his purpose in coming was to please his heavenly Father and to please us, us sinners, by becoming our substitute and by suffering every insult, every indignity, every pain, every trouble, even death on the cross in our place. He took the punishment we deserved for our sins so that we would not have to. And then, having redeemed us, he brought us into God's family and called us to his service as his body. So just as there was no self-serving purpose in Christ's coming, so there will be no self-serving purpose in our dealings with our brothers and sisters in Christ or with anyone else for that matter. Instead, we want to build each other up in Christian faith and life in every way and at every opportunity, just, just as the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible for us Paul reminds us that the Scriptures have a purpose beyond giving us a a historical record of what happened. They are given to us, and they are useful to us, not just for the past, but for our present and for our future, which underscores why it is so important that we never add to, subtract from, change, or update them. We need them just as they are, just as God has given them to us. You see, God's Word works within and among us to change, to grow, to strengthen, to equip and encourage us so that individually our hope, our confidence in the Lord's love and salvation might be stronger and together we might be united, thinking the same way because we are guided by the same divine Word of God and saying the same things, we will then be pleased to give glory to God as only the redeemed in Christ are able to. So if we're going to do that, if we are going to glorify God together, then we are going to have to repent of all our sinful acts and attitudes toward each other, toward our brothers and sisters in faith in the church, towards our family members, towards our spouses, towards everyone. And then we are going to have to, as Paul says, accept each other. Accept each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Accept each other as of having equal value and status in God's eyes and in His church. And again, we are guided by what Jesus did. He accepted us exactly as we were, 
no matter our ethnicity, our age, our class, our income, our job, our education, our attractiveness, or whatever. We are saved only and entirely by grace. Which means that the love that reached out and rescued us from our sins was not deserved by us in any way, but was entirely an unmerited gift and favor from God to us. Which is a reminder that when Christ came, he played no favorites. Though he lived and worked among the Jews, he came for the Gentiles just as much for the Jews, which all those verses that, that Paul lays out there for the Romans show so clearly. He did this because both Jews and Gentiles equally needed the salvation that Jesus came to work, and both equally received that salvation when they put their trust in him and, and in what he did with his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. So while we today, here, might not have the exact same issues that the Roman church did, we have the same command from God to accept each other as Christ accepted us. So no looking down on Christians, whoever they might be, who have a newer or weaker faith or who struggle with sins that you do not. No thinking that the people who are more like you in age, in education, in ethnicity, whatever, are somehow more worthy of position or recognition in the church than others. And no limiting your fellowship, your love, your conversation, your assistance, your listening ears and, and comforting shoulders. No limiting your fellowship only to those who have a background similar to yours. There simply is no room for any kind of me and my people are better than your people. Or God likes my kind more. No room for those kinds of attitudes in the church among God's people. Instead, God is pleased when we see each other as He sees us so that we love each other, accept each other, we come alongside each other, we rejoice to be in fellowship with this wide panoply, this incredible variety of people that He has brought to us through the Gospel. We are all about service. We are all about looking out for the other person's good. For a good reminder of that, take a look at Luther's explanation of, of the commandments, particularly commandments 4 through 10, the second table of the law, and see how each one of those is a positive encouragement to love our neighbor in words and actions. And when we do this, when we work together and love and worship and serve together, God blesses us together even more than we were blessed before. All this, this is what pleased God in the past. This is what pleases God now. 
and it pleases us. This was his good purpose all along with everything and with everyone. And all of this, Paul tells us in the final verse of this section, all of this is so that together, without ranks, without resentments, without prejudice or division, we might be completely filled with joy and peace through faith. Those are good things. As we continue to believe all our lives, individually and all together as a church, God's pleasing purpose is fulfilled and we all together overflow with hope. Let's go back to Pat's brunch for a moment. Imagine that Pat did such a good job of telling people how delicious it was that all of Pat's friends and acquaintances came to the restaurant. And then the next week, they all brought their friends and acquaintances and family members. And the next week, they brought all of their friends, acquaintances, and family members, and, and, and so on. What would happen to that food that Pat enjoyed and valued so much? It would quickly diminish. There would be less for everyone. Some would get nothing, and the quality would probably suffer too. But the joy and the peace the hope that God gives us in the gospel and that we share in Christ's church is exactly the opposite of something like good food that is limited. Because the more that we show joy, peace, and hope to each other and to the world, and the more that we share it and spread it, and the more then that come to feast on it with us, and to join in our community of faith, the more that believe the gospel. Well, that just means the more joy, peace, and hope there is. Not just generally, but more for each of us and more for all of us together. That's something that we can all rejoice in can all glorify God for and can all say Amen to. Please rise. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.